I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today's reading is 1 Samuel chapters 9 through 12. In chapter 9, Israel is looking for a king. Verse 1. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekaroth, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man, and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward he was higher than any of the people. And the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul his son, Take now one of the servants with thee, and arise, go seek the asses. And he passed through Mount Ephraim, and passed through the land of Shalisha. But they found them not. Then they passed through the land of Shalom, and there they were not. And he passed through the land of the Benjamites, and they found them not. And when they were come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant that was with him, Come and let us return, lest my father leave caring for the asses, and take thought for us. And he said unto him, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither, peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. Then said Saul to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is spent in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring to the man of God. What have we? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here at hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver that I will bring to the man of God to tell us our way. Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come and let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. Then said Saul to his servant, Well said, come let us go. So they went into the city where the man of God was. And as they went up the hill to the city, they found young maidens going out to draw water, and said unto them, Is the seer here? And they answered them and said, He is. Behold, he is before you. Make haste now, for he came today to the city, for there is a sacrifice of the people today in the high place. As soon as ye come into the city, ye shall straightway find him before he go up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he come, because he doth bless the sacrifice, and afterwards they eat that be bidden. Now therefore get you up, for about this time ye shall find him. And they went up into the city, and when they were come into the city, behold, Samuel came out against them for to go up to the high place. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people, because their cry is coming to me. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold the man whom I spake to thee of, this same shall reign over my people." Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. 
Go up before me into the high place, for ye shall eat with me today and tomorrow, and I will let thee go, and I will tell thee all that is in thine heart. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and on all thy father's house? And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? And Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the parlor, and made them sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden, which were about thirty persons. And Samuel said unto the cook, Bring the portion which I gave thee, of which I said unto thee, Set it by thee. And the cook took up the shoulder, and that which was upon it, and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Behold that which is left. Set it before thee, and eat. For unto this time hath it been kept for thee, since I said I have invited the people. So Saul did eat with Samuel that day. And when they were come down from the high place into the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of the house. And they arose early, and it came to pass about the spring of the day that Samuel called Saul to the top of the house, saying, Up, that I may send thee away. And Saul arose, and they went out, both of them, he and Samuel, abroad. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on. But stand thou still a while, that I may show thee the word of God. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 22, which was the last verse of the preceding chapter, that's where God directed Samuel to provide Israel with a king. So, how do you go about searching for a king? Well, the answer is easy. You wait for the prospective king to come looking for you. I mean, look, if it's not a supernatural selection, I mean, who needs it? Well, a Benjamite named Kish, a wealthy man, sends his very tall, we see that in verse 2, his very tall son, Saul, out on a journey to find his lost donkeys. After three days of searching, Saul's servants suggest that they go to the man of God, who is a seer. Go to him for help in finding the donkeys. Well, that was a handy function for a seer, don't you think? Samuel gets a word from God to expect the next king to show up, and then here comes Saul. Immediately upon seeing Saul in verse 17, God tells Samuel that Saul is to be the new king of Israel. When Saul meets Samuel, a great man in Israel, he really can't comprehend why Samuel's treating him with such respect. In fact, like royalty. After all, he's from the smallest tribe, Benjamin, and considers his family to be insignificant within that tribe. We see that in verse 21. The diminutive size of the tribe of Benjamin is undoubtedly attributed to the reduction of the tribe down to 600 men in the bizarre episode found in Judges chapters 19 to 21. This whole selection process of Saul as the new king has taken place under the direction of God. We see that in verses 15 to 17. Now, the next morning, verses 26 and 27 tell us that Samuel calls for a private meeting with Saul so he can break the you're-going-to-be-king news to Saul. Incidentally, we see a transition taking place in terminology in this chapter. Saul refers to Samuel as the man of God in verse 8, and the seer, that's the Hebrew word ra'al, in verse 9. However, we're told that this office of seer transitioned into the office of prophet 
which is the Hebrew word nabi, in verse 9, a term that actually more accurately reflects the service to God, a prophet plays toward the future monarchs of Israel. In chapter 10, we find an odd way to make a king. Verse 1, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? When thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found, and lo, thy father hath left the care of the asses, and sorroweth for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Then shalt thou go on forward from thence, and thou shalt come to the plain of Tabor. And there shall meet thee three men going up to God to Bethel, one carrying three kids, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. After that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery, and a tabret, and a pipe, and a harp before them. And they shall prophesy, and the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs are coming to thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee, to offer burnt offerings, and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings, seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee, and show thee what thou shalt do. And it was so, that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass, when all that knew him before time saw, that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets, then the people said one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the same place answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had made an end of prophesying, he came to the high place. And Saul's uncle said unto him and to his servant, Whither went ye? And he said, To seek the asses. And when we saw that they were nowhere, we came to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, I pray thee, what Samuel said unto you. And Saul said unto his uncle, He told us plainly that the asses were found. But of the matter of the kingdom whereof Samuel spake, he told him not. So, when did Saul actually become the king of Israel? This chapter begins with Saul's anointing from Samuel. So, if an old respected man tells you you're the king, well, does that make it so? Samuel then offers to Saul three signs that were fulfilled in one day. It's like a supernatural scavenger hunt. Number one, Saul would supernaturally be directed to his lost donkeys in verse 2. Secondly, Saul will receive food and wine from a couple of strangers in verses 3 and 4. 
And thirdly, in this supernatural scavenger hunt, Saul will meet up with some prophets and he'll prophesy with them, at which time a transformation in Saul will take place. That was seen in verses 5 through 7. Those three signs must have indeed served to convince Saul that he was, in fact, the man, just as Samuel had said. However, it's a little problematic when you're the king, but actually nobody knows you're the king. Verse 9 seems particularly significant. It says, And it was so, when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. They'll get back together in seven days to finish up this process, but Saul is immediately a changed man, as we see in verses 10 to 16. And people seem to notice the difference, especially when they saw that he prophesied among the prophets in verse 11. Well, there's no coronation yet, but Saul is the king, or at least the king apparent at this point. However, when questioned by his uncle regarding his meeting with Samuel, Saul leaves out the part of the meeting about being made the king of Israel. Well, in verses 17 to 27, we see that there's a big meeting in Israel to anoint a king. Verse 17, And Samuel called the people together unto the Lord to Mizpah. And said unto the children of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all kingdoms, and of them that oppressed you. And you have this day rejected your God, who himself saved you out of all your adversities and your tribulations. And you have said unto him, Nay, but set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands." And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was taken. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. And they ran and fetched him thence, and When he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. And Samuel said to all the people, See him whom the Lord hath chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Then Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom, and wrote it in a book, and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. But the children of Belial said, How shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. Do you remember the way that uh, Achan was flushed out? Apparently it was by casting lots back in Joshua chapter 7. And he was pronounced guilty at the Battle of Ai? Well, here's the casting lots process all over again. But this time, it's to select a king. The casting of lots is understood to be the process used here because the Hebrew terminology incorporated is the same as that found in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 42, when the lot fell upon Jonathan in that honey incident, which we'll read about uh, a little later on. If you'd like uh, more information on the practice of casting lots, look at the notes in the yellow box that I have on the written uh, notes of uh, BibleTrack.org for Proverbs chapter 16. 
Of course, Samuel already anointed Saul days earlier. I wonder why Samuel just didn't tell the people, here's your man. Well, obviously, here's another confirmation for Samuel and everyone else that God has, in fact, chosen Saul to be their king. After eliminating the other tribes, then clans, then men within the clans, Saul gets the call. What a surprise. Well, it must have been a surprise because Saul was not there to get the award. He was out among, the King James says, the stuff. Apparently, you didn't have to be present to win. So they went to get him and give him the news. Saul was a towering man. Everybody else just came up to his shoulders. The people liked their new king, well, except for a few down in verse 27 who referred to as the children of Belial. That term means worthless people. It's just a general term means worthless people. Ooh, it's a treacherous move to descend against God's man. So, Saul, now that you've been proclaimed king of Israel, what you going to do? Well, he just heads back home, Gibeah, in central Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin. But this time when he heads back home, he takes a band of followers with him whom the Bible describes here as whose hearts God had touched. Well, at this point, nothing seems very different. No palace, no queen, just the secret service agents that follow him back home. That's the only difference. In 1 Samuel chapter 11, Saul is going to test drive this new kingship. 1 Samuel 11.1 Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh-Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for reproach upon all Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said unto him, Give us seven days' respite, that we may send messengers into all the coast of Israel, and then, if there be no man to save us, we will come out to thee. Then came the messengers to Gibeah of Saul, and told the tidings in the ears of the people, and all the people lifted up their voices and wept. And behold, Saul came after the herd out of the field, and Saul said, What aileth the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings, and his anger was kindled greatly. And he took a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces, and sent them throughout all the coast of Israel by the hands of the messengers, saying, Whosoever cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done unto his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. And when he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were three hundred thousand, and the men of Judah thirty thousand. And they said unto the messengers that came, Thus shall you say unto the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow by that time the sun be hot, ye shall have help. And the messengers came and showed it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out unto you, and ye shall do with us all that seemeth good unto you. And it was so on the morrow that Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the host in the morning watch, and slew the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it came to pass that they which remained were scattered, so that two of them were not left together. And the people said unto Samuel, Who is he that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. And Saul said, There shall not a man be put to death this day. For today the Lord hath wrought salvation in Israel. Then said Samuel to the people, Come and let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. 
And all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And there they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Well, O Nahash, the Ammonite king, comes after the Israelite people in Jabesh-Gilead. He plans to wipe them out, but they agree to serve him. However, that's just not good enough for Nahash. He insists that a treaty is only possible if he's permitted to gouge out all the right eyes of the inhabitants. Ouch! They ask for seven days to consider while they send a messenger to Saul, who does his first army draft. After hearing the report of Nahash and Jabesh-Gilead, Saul is one upset king. He cuts up a yoke of oxen, sends the pieces out to the other tribes in the form of draft notices to the Israeli army. He ends up with a huge army with time to spare. Now, this is the benefit of a king the people of Israel have been looking for, someone to garrison a massive army, in this case, 330,000 soldiers. Hey, Nahash, there's a new sheriff in town, buddy. He takes that Israeli army and destroys Nahash and his Ammonite army. As a matter of fact, he so thoroughly trounces the Ammonites that it's said of them in verse 11, so that two of them were not left together. Now, remember those guys back in 1 Samuel 10, 27, who were described as children of Belial, meaning worthless people, derelicts? Those guys who, remember, they questioned Saul's kingship? Well, surprise, the tribes of Israel are ready to terminate their worthless lives after this great victory under Saul. But Saul puts a stop to it. They have a close brush with death in this spontaneous celebration after Israel's victory over the Ammonites. It's fortunate for them that Saul was in such a good mood after this victory. Now it's time for Samuel to take a bow when we get over to 1 Samuel chapter 12. Verse 1, And Samuel said unto all Israel, Behold, I have hearkened unto your voice and all that ye said unto me, and have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walketh before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and behold, my sons are with you, and I have walked before you from my childhood unto this day. Behold, here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed, whose ox have I taken, or whose ass have I taken, or whom have I defrauded, whom have I oppressed, or of whose hand have I received any bribe to blind mine eyes therewith." and I will restore it you. And they said, Thou hast not defrauded us, nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken aught of any man's hand. And he said unto them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that ye have not found aught in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. And Samuel said unto the people, It is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron, and that brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and to your fathers. When Jacob was come into Egypt, and your fathers cried unto the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, which brought forth your fathers out of Egypt, and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the host of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. 
And they cried unto the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served Balaam and Ashtaroth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies, and we will serve thee. And the Lord sent Jeroboam and Bedon and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and ye dwelled safe. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, you said unto me, Nay, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore behold the king whom ye have chosen and whom ye have desired. And behold, the Lord hath set a king over you. If ye will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. But if ye will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you, as it was against your fathers. Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain, that ye may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking you a king." So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God, that we die not. For we have added unto all our sins this evil, to ask us a king. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not. Ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart." And turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart." For consider how great things he hath done for you. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. Well, Samuel makes his parting do-right speech to Israel. It includes one of those history lessons made famous by Moses. He begins by reminding them of God's deliverance under Moses from Egyptian bondage down through verse 8. Then in verses 9 through 11, he refers to the period of occupation in the book of Judges when God repeatedly delivered them through Judges from the oppression of their surrounding enemy neighbors. And that takes us to verse 12, to the Ammonite incident found in 1 Samuel chapter 11, when God raised up Saul to recruit a massive army for the purpose of destroying Nahash and his Ammonite army. This history lesson of God's deliverance is followed by Samuel's warning to them in verses 13 to 15, which basically says, just do right, people, just do right. In verses 16 through 18, Samuel takes another opportunity to rebuke them for insisting on the king. Wow, Samuel certainly knows how to dampen a celebratory spirit, doesn't he? Then to make his point with a parting miracle, he announces thunder and rain just when Israel's getting ready to harvest the wheat. That's not when you're looking for rain and thunder. Well, that causes the people to fear for their lives. Rain didn't usually fall at this time of year, let alone thunder. Then he ends his talk by saying, in effect, 
Oh, and there's more where that came from if you disobey. Well, he does conclude his speech with a nice promise in verse 22 when he says, For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. Hey, after all, a covenant is a covenant. He promises to pray for him in verse 23, but warns in verses 24 and 25 this, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. Okay, Saul, we're convinced. It's all yours now. Israel has their undisputed new king. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.